Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Life Off The Leash. I am your host Alicia and today's episode I was so happy when this guest reached out to me because she is such an inspiring woman to so many communities. Alison Lang is a digital marketer, photography enthusiast, travel warrior, I should mention 29 countries at only 27 years old, and if that's not impressive enough, she's also a left below the knee amputee from birth. Today, Alison and I chat about how she got to where she is today and the obstacles she overcame in sport, school, and travel and the big mountains and valleys she climbed through along the way. At the end of the episode, Allison shares some super exciting news that she hasn't released yet. I mean, talk about hot off the press news. <laughs> so everyone, grab a drink, relax, and let's get started. Okay, so welcome Allison to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. I know it's a Friday night for you and we somehow made the time change work. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I mean, yeah, it's Friday the 13th. So what else am I supposed to be doing today? (laughs) Yes. Stay (laughs) inside. Yeah, Yeah, honestly, stay indoors. Um, Yeah, it was so crazy because I knew when we were going to be recording this on a Saturday, it was going to be Friday the 13th for you. And I, and so yesterday I didn't really think of Friday the 13th for me. So now that I think of it, I'm like, I don't even know. I don't think anything happened to me yesterday. Did anything spooky happen to you? No, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> Distract me from this. Yeah. A crazy day. Um, awesome. So I'm really happy to have you on the podcast today and really excited to hear your story. Um, yeah, we'll dive into just basically a little bit of introduction about Allison and, um, and her story. And before we get deep into how she got to where she is today, we'll just have a little chat about who you are. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and meet another Canadian, even though you're so far away. I know. It's crazy. Like, I was like, I talk to more Canadians than I do Australians, but it's because Canada is my home, so... It is, yeah. So, yeah, tell us about a little bit of who you are. Awesome. Um, my name is Allison Lang. I'm 27 years old. I'm currently living in Montreal, but originally from Edmonton, so an Alberta gal. <gasps> and um, I'm working in digital marketing right now. It's so cool. It's so awesome. Just I've I don't even know how to say, but I've networked way more starting this job within this city than I have the last year and a half I've been living here. Wow, really? Yeah. It's that's why I I originally moved to Montreal was because of the arts, culture, and language. And just when you meet one person within that industry, it just like kind of blows up and then you know everybody somehow. Because that's so amazing to me because I, I read that you're originally from Mont- or Edmonton and um, like me being from like West Coast. So I grew up in BC, but then I moved to Alberta as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I've always like dreamed about going over to Montreal. It's like such a different world in Quebec and different language, everything. And, um, yeah. you know, we're learned like we're taught French when we grow up, but I'm like, oh. Well, I live on the other side of Canada, so I probably won't use it. But that's amazing that you decided to go there. And that was one of my questions was, like, why was it Montreal? But it was because of the community there and networking. Honestly, so my, 
I'm first generation. My mom was born in Scotland and then she immigrated, her and her family immigrated to Montreal when she was just a child. So she grew up in Montreal. Yeah. (laughs) Met my dad in Edmonton through my aunt and uncle and they did long distance. And then she ended up packing up and moving to Edmonton. But growing up, we would always go on mother-daughter trips to come visit her friends out here. And I Uh, fell in love with the city. It's like a mini Europe. Yeah. And it really is. And I just see photos. Like I even haven't even been to Europe. So I'm like, you know, whenever I go back to Canada, it's like, it's, you may as well, I always tell people to explore their own country they're in. Cause you just, I mean, I traveled outside my own country as well. I think that's very important to go outside, but I think it's also important, especially with COVID to be exploring your own country right now and, and really appreciating what you have around you. So that's amazing. And do you live like right in the midst of everything in Montreal? I know Montreal is like such a crazy city and town and- it's so big yeah there's three million people on the island I think but oh my god yeah, I, live, I live in a beautiful area and we found an amazing my roommates and I found an amazing apartment um in June so we've been in this awesome large space and my roommate got a puppy so it's just like yeah we're in heaven right now yeah living the dream in the midst of this crazy year and pandemic and I know I know you're probably so sick of hearing this (laughs) but um about COVID because I mean you guys probably hear it so much more than we do in Australia because you guys are right close to America so obviously next to the biggest like the most cases in the world right now but I hear in Montreal it's a bit like of a red zone and everything so has it affected you much yeah to be honest I had COVID (laughs) what yeah I had it in July Mm -hmm. wow because I've known um some people that I've met as well when I was traveling like back because they're from like Europe so like I think I've known you're probably like the fourth or fifth person that I've known that has COVID and it's as sad as it sounds it's like oh like probably in America, like three quarters of America has had COVID. You know, it's like, I think people always think when someone says they have COVID, it's like, you're like, oh my gosh, like you have COVID, like stay away and stuff. So it'd be hard. So did you have symptoms? Was it more? I was asymptomatic. So I had no idea that I had it. Um, One of my roommates at the time tested positive. So he informed us to go get tested. And I actually came back negative But because we lived together, I had to follow his quarantine. So I was inside the house for two weeks. And then after two weeks, I went to go get tested and I came back positive. Even though we hadn't spent a second together, we each stayed in our own room. We sanitized the hell out of the kitchen and the bathroom every time we used it. But it's just, I guess it depends. It's Some say it's easily transmittable some say it's not that easy but I mean we were cleaning so diligently I was shocked but I think the toughest thing was on my mental health being locked up in the dead of summer mid-July to mid-August in my apartment for an entire month oh my gosh I've never heard of it being like literally four weeks like I can't believe you did the quarantine because someone you knew had COVID that you're in close contact with and then you get tested and then you have to go again for two weeks or stay inside again. Yeah. Oh, so what do you think during that time that you were like, did you, some people are like during quarantine, I was so productive. I did this, 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 and this. Yeah. It, 
it did affect me. It was funny. I moved our television at the foot of my bed, <laughs> spent a lot of time in bed. I'm not a big TV watcher at all. I, yeah. people will quote movies and I never have any idea where it's from. Like, oh, yeah. So I'm like, now's the time to catch up. But I was still working part-time, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I tried to be productive. I did make myself a to-do list and I redesigned my website and did a couple mm-hmm. fun things and edited travel videos from the year before. So it kind of perked me up a bit. But yeah. at the end of week three, week four, I was just like, get me the hell out of here. It's yeah. 33 degrees outside. I don't want to be locked up in here anymore. Oh, do you have a balcony or anything? Or was it just? No, we don't have a balcony, but I have amazing bay windows in my bedroom. So at least I could people watch. Yes. That was what I spent most of my time doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody like, hmm, yeah, I got a new dog. Watched a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the development within four weeks. So that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, that's amazing that you got through that. Just adds to the strength in your in your story. And and um, yeah, from what I see on social media, you've definitely been in the right spot for what you've been doing. So that's awesome that you moved out there. And I'm happy for you. It's probably a big change from Edmonton to Montreal. So. Oh such a big change yeah but you guys get a ton of snow still right like it's really cold still right isn't it yeah it's insane I'm seeing everyone post stories of the amounts of snow that's in Calgary Banff and Edmonton right now and I'm like oh my god what the heck is happening over there we we have rain tonight in Montreal and then it was like 20 degrees earlier this week so I mean I'm chilling it's fine it's a beautiful fall this is amazing I'm supposed to go to Edmonton on Wednesday for five days actually so oh my gosh I'm like uh (laughs) pack uh, the parka the tubes (laughs) what do I wear on the plane if I'm going from nice weather to winter (laughs) I know isn't that the worst I'm always like coming off the plane I'm like delayering if I'm going somewhere hot or I'm like shivering if going somewhere cold um well, that's awesome. And today we have a yeah, big topic um, about Allison, and uh, she will start basically telling us about her story. And we'll just start with now that kind of we know where you are now, um, mm-hmm. let's start with how you got here and your story. And from birth to now, we have one hour. <laughs> I'm like, do you have time? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so whenever you're ready to tell our listeners a little bit about you, I'm so excited for this. So you can start whenever. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so I'm the oldest of four. And <laughs> when I was born, the doctor told my parents that there was something wrong with their daughter. Parents were like, what's wrong with our child? And yeah, the doctor, like, what? Right? Especially for like a first child. No one's gone Just through this birth? yet. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God my mom's a nurse, though, because he continued to say, your daughter was born missing the lower half of her left leg. And my mom's like, well, how are her lungs and how is her heart? Yeah. yeah. And he he said, oh, her organs are fine. So thank God my parents were like, okay, there's no issue then. Uh, Oh, and exactly. That's the first thing that I would say right away. It's like, well, what's wrong? Like, is she healthy? Is she breathing? Is she here with me? I just gave birth to my daughter mm-hmm. was yeah. there any like imaging there was nothing but beforehand that they knew that you had one all the 
no all the yeah all the ultrasounds came back fine so that's what's super confusing about it all I was actually born so the end of my stump had what looked like a pinky off the end of it Mm -hmm. and that was supposed to develop into my foot so it just didn't grow it wasn't due to umbilical cords or any of that reasoning it just didn't grow um so they did amputate that little piece off so I could wear prosthetics growing up um wow oh that's good yeah yeah but my my parents are all stars like from the get-go they threw me into soccer and swim lessons and skiing I ended up hating skiing though because I I could only control one ski right (laughs) my other leg would like linger out all the time I did try the the single ski with the outriggers. <gasps> yes, the yes, ski yes. Poles with the skis on the end. Oh my gosh! If I continued that, I would have the strongest leg in the I entire was world. Say, that was so yeah. hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I snowboard now though. So. That's so cool. So, how old were you when your parents like put you into your first sport? And what was your first sport? It was well. I started swimming from swimming. Right. Like the youngest age that you can start swim lessons when you go like splash around with the mamas in the pool (laughs) (laughs) um and then I actually yeah I grew up and ended up getting my lifeguard certificate when I was 15 16 wow that's amazing Mm -hmm. so you're super just super active and even now I continue to hike and I consider myself pretty active there's feet out there that move with your body depending where your weight's being and the yeah the ankle will kind of roll just so you don't you're not throwing out your hips or you're putting too much stress on your knees right the running one looks so cool it's like the is that the one that goes like a little it's like a hook a hook yeah. yeah I so is it really different from any other ones or does it feel the same I just am so interested in them <laughs> Yeah, well, it's carbon fiber. So as I run on it, I basically feel like it propels me forward. So I don't know if you heard the whole controversy with like the Olympics and Paralympics. Some athletes want to compete in the Olympics, but they considered it an advantage. That's how great that leg is. I feel like it just like launches me forward. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. It's pretty cool. Oh my God. So growing up when you were this young and having these different, because you said you have so many different legs at your parents' house right now, was it pretty expensive or was it funded? How did it work? Yeah, there's an amazing program called the War Amps Champ program in Canada. So I've actually heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's honestly, I have to thank them for everything that I was given. They have a matching mother's program. So even from the day I was born, when they found out I was an amputee, they paired my mom with another mom who also was a mother of an older amputee, just to kind of ask questions, get some advice, um, be given some resources. And they also, it's a nonprofit organization, Mm -hmm. and they give funding for recreational legs for amputees. So that way, you know, we can lead a normal life as well. Yes. And that's amazing, especially developing and getting older and growing. You probably grew out of all legs pretty quickly. And I was just thinking they're probably pretty expensive if you're to pay out of pocket for them, I can only imagine. So, um, yeah, I compare the leg I'm wearing right now is probably the price of a new car. What? So as an adult, the government will help out. 
every few years. So <laughs> thankfully. Oh my gosh. I was just going to say, cause even how cool it is that when you walk, it distributes weight between the foot as if where you're putting it. That's like amazing, especially for hiking. I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard that after high school or probably during high school, you started um, something called sitting volleyball. And I would love to hear a little bit more about that and what it entails and, and how it got kind of leading up to now. Absolutely. So like I had mentioned how the War Amps uh, Champ Program funded my recreational legs. Um, mm-hmm. the, commu- the amputee community is quite close knit. And one of the girls that I met at a seminar invited me out to try out for sitting volleyball, actually. Mm-hmm. First of all, I was 15 or 16 and I had never played volleyball at this time. That was when they were looking question. for team members. Like, never played it. <laughs> no, I had never, but they're like, oh, Allison's athletic. We can train her to be a volleyball player cool like bring her out let's see what she's capable of doing and I sucked so bad like so bad but I mean they took me on and they trained me the girls are amazing they're oh my god I could get into how like amazing and resilient and inspiring all these women are Mm -hmm. and um yeah I actually played for about four or five years and I competed across Canada throughout the states and Brazil and England Wow. And yeah, we were in Brazil for the qualifier for the uh, Paralympics 2012, but unfortunately, we lost to Brazil in the fifth set. So, oh my God. Mm-hmm. And then after I, air quotes, retired and right. focused on my university. So, right. Yeah. And I'm actually kind of, I'm back. Yeah. (laughs) She's back. back. I'm like, I don't know if I can say it it because I'm still fresh meat again, but I'm I'm so happy to be part of like such a great community of women and athletes and, you know, like with COVID and everything, like it's, they've overcome so much. And now with this postponed, I'm like, it's not even a hindrance to you guys. Exactly. So that's amazing so you played it for that long I didn't even realize you played it for that long I didn't either until I went through my photo album at my parents house like a few months ago and I'm like I didn't realize I played for that long it's kind of (laughs) crazy that's amazing so tell us a little bit about what it is like I can picture it in my head but so you're sitting but are you like is it on the ground I love teaching people about it. It's an adaptive sport. So in the Paralympics, um, volleyball used to be played standing, but I mean, that like left out such a huge portion of those with disabilities. So they're Mm -hmm. like, how do we make this an adaptive sport? So they lowered the net, made the court a bit smaller and you sit on your bum. So you push yourself around on the floor. You have to be fast though. It's if you watch standing and then watch sitting, you will yeah. see how much faster of a sport it is. Really? Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine. You have to be, your reaction time has to be like spot on. That's. Yeah. It's, wow. it's quite quick. Yeah. It's so, so fun now. Did you, so like what, what does the training entail for that? Like, do you, is it like a ton of core, core strength? Yeah, I can only you imagine. need a core. You definitely do need a core. Cause I mean, you're, you're trying to stabilize and keep your body up while sitting, but making contact with the ball and Mm -hmm. moving around on the floor. It's, I, 
I hope that people don't look at adaptive sport and think that it's anything less because I tell you, like, get down on that floor. <laughs> <laughs> It oh, is demanding. Yes, I can't even yeah. imagine. I have such bad back pain as it is. So like <laughs> me trying to like sit myself up and constantly, oh, that's just amazing. And yeah, I'm really happy that, that you've gotten back into it now. And um, we'll see. We'll see where it carries you. I know. I'm sure. excited. Yeah. Yay. Okay. So you're born. And so when you were kind of transitioning into uh, like primary or elementary school, we'll go kind of go through the school years now. Yeah. Elementary was my version of hell. Um, Um, Yeah. To be honest, I, I've gone to therapy for what happened. Uh, Like the scars that it left on me were quite quite severe and I mean at that age you can't really process what's happening to you either like why am I being singled out or I was raised Catholic Um, I come from Polish and Scottish descent so I would ask my parents like if God existed or God loved me why did he make me this way why was I born this way what did I do to deserve this and Mm. I mean I'm six years old and eight years old saying these things and I just couldn't fully understand. Yeah. I was called peg leg Barbie. Oh. I was, t- I was targeted by one girl in particular every single day at school. And like I said, I had to undergo surgery. So some days yeah. I would show up on crutches or in a wheelchair oh. and I'd either be pushed over or, you know, they would, would threaten to take my leg away and exclude me from things because they didn't think that I was girly enough. That was one thing I always struggled with was I looked too edgy or I didn't fit into the mold. So Yeah. Oh, that is I'm so sorry that you had to go through that because I feel like elementary school just like you said like it does stay with you as you get older and and I feel like kids and like I don't know, they're little shitheads at that age and <laughs> They don't understand. And like, they have no filter. They think that the meaner that they are, the cooler they are. Mm -hmm. And that must have just been terrible because I can only imagine you as a young girl going home and being like, and asking your mom and dad, I don't want to go to school today. I'm sure that happened because of what was going on. Although my mom is a complete badass, I have to just tell this part of the story. So I was tormented by this one little girl. I mean, normally they have other things going on in their life. That's why they tend to target others. But my mom went to the school and the elementary I was at, she sat down with the vice principal and said, look, my daughter's being not only emotionally abused at your school, but physically abused. What are you going to do about it? Like it needs to stop. Yeah. And the vice principal goes, oh, you know, girls will be girls. And my mom <sighs> lost it. She was like, oh, yeah, do you want me to call global news? I will <sighs> straight quote you that girls will be girls as my daughter is coming home with, like, bruises on her body, Oh, my God. Yeah. So Good my for parents, mom. yeah, my parents stuck by my side through and through. <sighs> Thank goodness. Otherwise... Like, I can't imagine not having the support that I did yeah. because I don't think I would have made it. And but I mean, 
I always say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yes. And that is so true. That's so amazing. Like even right when you're born, she's like, no, I want to know like what's wrong with my daughter. Is there anything wrong with her heart and lungs to this moment? We're like sticking right by you. And till now, that's so amazing to have that supportive mom and father figure in your life. So that's amazing. And yeah, I never give my dad enough credit. So I'm going to shout him out too. He also (laughs) saved me (laughs) from further harassment. So like I said, I'm the oldest of four and my parents want, I have a sister named Kathleen. I was supposed to be named Kathleen, but when they were sitting in the hospital, filling out the paperwork, trying to decide on a name for me, my dad goes, no, we can't name her Kathleen. And my mom's like, why not? I thought we had previously discussed this. We're we're set on this. He's like, we're going to have to go with our second option. It's Allison. And she's like, Why? And he's like, because she's going to be walking down the hall in school and everyone's going to be like, here comes Kathleen. Oh. And he, he leans to the side because I'd be missing a leg. Oh I'm like, God. who thinks of that? I don't even think I would have thought of that. <laughs> oh my God. He, that's like such a dad comment to make too. <laughs> I know dad joke like yeah. right from birth. <laughs> Good for him. So after your, was it the same in Alberta? Was it year K to six and then you go to middle school or junior high? Yeah, so junior high is seven, eight, nine. By the time grade six happened, came around, you're going into middle school. What was your thoughts? Like, did you? So I was actually at a French immersion school. So the school I was at was K to 12. So I could have stayed there for my entire schooling, which was my mom's initial plan. Having grown up in Montreal, she really wanted us to be bilingual. But because I was so harassed, I switched schools after grade six. And I just wanted a fresh start somewhere that nobody knew me and basically wanted a clean slate. And I I did know a couple girls just from playing soccer at the junior high that I ended up going to, which was amazing because I continued to play sports. Yeah. But the only difference was, I mean, as you enter junior high, um, you start thinking about boys and dating and like the cuties (laughs) sitting next to you. So (laughs) that was really hard for me. I, because of everything that I had overcome in elementary, but was still struggling with, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to hide this part of me and not wear shorts or dresses and even on like plus 30 days, I would wear capris, but I would wear nylon tights underneath that had like the nude color. So my legs matched or, you know, if I was limping and someone's like, why are you limping? I would make up a different excuse every time. Like, oh, I got kicked in the shins at soccer. I fell off my skateboard, uh, this and that. It was just like an ongoing battle. And to be honest, I'm the worst liar too. (laughs) So maintaining that, I would always be like, oh shit, what lie did I tell them last week? I can't retell them I fell off my skateboard again, you know? So So like, Allison, are you getting a little bit better at skateboarding by now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that was hard. Um, And I was rejected for it once in elementary and honestly I just like quit trying to (laughs) date in my elementary years and I had a I had a great group of girlfriends though honestly 
as much as I say junior high was also a struggle, that's where I learned to cope with humor. So, mm. you know, mm. like it started with my family. My dad at the dinner table would say, oh, you must be hungry today. Do you have a hollow leg or something? <laughs> and it just, yeah. it, it helped. It was a coping mechanism or I'd go to sleepovers with girls and I would take my leg off and in the morning they'd wake up and freak out because a lot of people don't look at me. Well, my friends at least that know me really well, they don't look at me on a day-to-day basis and think amputee first. Like I'm just Allie. So even my brothers, when we would sit around watching movies, just like shoes, I would like pop my leg off. It's just comfier to chill. Yeah. And after the movie, they'd be like, Allie, I've known you my whole life and I still forget you have one leg. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And, but that's amazing because it just goes to show that being an amputee isn't who you are. Like what the words are like define. That's why like I didn't introduce you as just you're an amputee and this is it. (laughs) Like there's so much only quality. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Hey guys, this is me the end. Um, And I find that during junior high, it is that stage where it's like you are probably elementary junior high was also my really like shitty years. So like I had to wear a headgear to school because I had like buck teeth and I got bullied for that for like years. People will and now I can laugh about it. (laughs) I know I laugh about it too because you have to, you have to laugh at yourself sometimes, but Um, but I remember people call me donkey from Shrek. I oh know. It was really I sad. love donkey though, to know, be honest. She's my favorite character. So that's I like do. a compliment. Me too. And I kept saying the quote, and in the morning, I'm making waffles. And my teeth would just stick out and everyone would be like, again. So actually you had a big fan base. Yes, exactly. Right. So I can, I can relate. Cause during that time I was like, you know, doing the humor thing but then um then I was like my mom was like maybe we should you know you are getting bullied Alicia we should probably (laughs) fix your mouth and so then I had to wear headgear for so long and I remember just hiding in the bathroom at school been like because I wouldn't wear my headgear all day and then the orthodontics would be like Alicia you're not like we see that you're not wearing your headgear and that's the ones like like around the head this metal thing and so what I would do is that every lunch hour I would sit in the bathroom on the toilet at lunch and put it on for like 30 minutes whatever my lunch hour was and then I'd put it on on my walk home and I was like I'm not I'm hiding this (laughs) so um, so sad I'm so sorry okay if only these things were normalized right so many other kids I'm sure do it or hide little things about themselves as well exactly and so that's why like during that middle school time it was like so common to like hide who you were to fit in because I found that with middle school it was so that is when like the comparison started Mm-hmm. Oh, you're prettier. You wear this clothes. Your hair looks like this. When I grew up, it was so in to have like low rise pants. Mm-hmm. And probably the same for you because we're the yeah. same. Yeah, and like so- the V-neck garage shirts with the lace underneath. Yes. <laughs> there were girls at my school that used to dress the same. I mean, <laughs> I'm friends with them now, but I make fun of them for it now. I'm like, what were you trying to be? Like mean girls? <laughs> yes, exactly. And I find that. Yeah, during this age, we're all trying to be like someone else. We're all trying to be like what you said, didn't fit the mold. And um, so I can understand 
during this time why you would feel this way. And so with, with this school, was it high school included or did you go to a high school? I went to a high school mm-hmm. and I remember I'm like, okay, another fresh start. Like this is where a bunch of junior highs come together and it's a mashup. So yeah. like I maybe know three quarters of the amount of people that are going to be there. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, another fresh start. This is fine. Like only a handful of people know my secret. Right. It blew up like day one. Oh, no, of course. <laughs> Probably even before I got there because the, the boys found out and I was the hot gossip in the boys locker room. I tell you that. Like, I swear it was like I had a bullseye or something on what? me because I would walk down the hallway and every guy that was on the football team would look at my legs. I, I'm sure I'm the only one that noticed it. My friends wouldn't, but I'm yeah. so used to staring. Yeah. But to me, I'm like, okay, something fishy's going on. Yeah. And yeah. then one of the guys on the team approached me and was like, hey, is it true? And I'm like, um, oh it depends who's asking. And then yeah. he's like, well, someone mentioned it in the boys' locker room and like, we're trying to figure out if it's true or false so to me I'm like are they taking bets on this like yeah like what yeah but it was fine he was he was nice about it I feel people were weird about it in high school still but Mm -hmm. not really I find as I get older it's easier to date in (laughs) fact like I'm not saying it draws people to me but I find that I'm such like a confident person and I'm so sure of who I am now that that is, I hope it's self-attractive and not the fact that I'm just an amputee, but um, yeah, it, it was, it was interesting. Like, dating in high school. Oh, I can only imagine. Really date. Cause I like, I didn't trust anyone enough yet. I feel Mm -hmm. I had to like still do some self exploring and Mm -hmm. really, I'm happy though that I put myself first at that time. Oh, definitely. And yeah. so like, you know, how like the football guys were like coming up. To, this is so like a American <laughs> movie. <laughs> um, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can, uh, I'll give you permission to make a film about my life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that would, oh my God. That would, who would you pick to star as like you as the main character? I have no idea. I don't watch a lot of TV, but someone has told me that the girl from Pretty Little Liars kind of yes. looks like me. Yes. What's I can totally see Because um, the thing is, I am also like you. My friends like <laughs> quote, my friends quote, friends quotes. Is that as a tongue twister? We're, we're useless. <laughs> I know. And then I'm like, they're like, it's from friends. But anyways, Pretty Little Liars, my friends used to make me watch this like in college because we lived together. They would always put it on like every Tuesday. So I don't know the yeah. names, but I totally agree. Yes. Oh my God. I'm Googling it right yeah. now. Because <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, yeah, that one chick, but. <laughs> oh gosh, what's her name? Oh, Lucy Howe. Oh, yes. Yeah. She's, I know. And she's gorgeous. So that is I know, a I compliment. I know. I it as a compliment. Yes. <laughs> Um, oh my god, I'm already can't wait for this movie. Um, <laughs> no, in high school, um, were you like, because I know you're pretty athletic. Were you like, I hate to say it, but every high school had like the artsy kids and the drama kids and the 
the jocks and the sports and like where were you like into sports and friends with a lot of people in that sense or everyone <laughs> to be honest I was a floater I yeah like I I had a solid group of girlfriends but I I had friends in the drama club the yeah. art club on the sports teams also the people that skip class I was friends yeah. with like yeah. I just <laughs> I floated and I found I think it's because in junior high I really struggled fitting mm. into a mold that I kind of didn't want to find one place for me I'm mm-hmm. like why can't I be all of it so mm-hmm. yeah it was it was nice meet a lot of new interesting people that way so. oh I can imagine um so at this point were you still trying to like as soon as the football guys knew or the school kind of knew, were you still trying to hide your leg or like, were you, when was the time where you're like, this is me, accept it? Did, was there ever a time like that? <laughs> um, it took a long time. I'll be honest, it didn't happen overnight, mm-hmm. but I would say that big awakening for me didn't happen until my early 20s. Right. And I'm talking like five years ago. Right. So I honestly, as cliche as this is, I think traveling really helped me get a sense of who I was because oh, yeah. I did a lot of solo backpacking. Oh, I, 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 I'm i so excited <laughs> to talk about wanna, this. You want to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> but even... From like 18, I went to Thailand for a month with a girlfriend. And then the next year I went to Indonesia with my cousin. And then in 2017, I did a massive like exploration. Um, I was kind of seeing this guy on and off. And then I got accepted to go study in France for a month through the University of Alberta. Oh my God. And I was so pumped. I'm like, a month? That's amazing. And I told him and he's like, a month is a really long time. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Pardon? <laughs> no, it's he didn't not. really he didn't really travel. So oh, yeah. And then he ended up ending things with me. So like of course me like wanting to rebel. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, you think a month's a long time? I'm gonna go for a three. <laughs> so I booked a ticket and I did Europe and Morocco for a total of three months and my my sister came to meet me in month three and it was the best time I did 14 countries that whole trip oh Uh my god that is literally my dream that's amazing so were you in university at the sorry you so you went to study for three months in France from the uni degree. So or? I was I was only like so I had at this point graduated from graphic design and photography and now okay. I was in my ed degree okay. and there was a program so I was doing my major in French minor in ESL for education mm-hmm. and for six credits you could go to France so I'm like no I want to go to France and they put you yeah. with a host family and. I mean, there's bursaries you can apply for. So I'm like, okay, like it's essentially free, right? Yeah. Um, So yeah, I applied for it, got accepted. They paired me with a host family based on my personality. And it was the best experience of my life. Like if anyone's listening to this, that's going to the U of A, I'm pretty sure you don't need to be taking active French classes to do it. It's the La Rochelle program. So it's in a small sailor town. 
you go to the small, like the community um, university there, the family that I stayed with gave me a bike so I could bike around for the entire month. And each weekend I would pack up with the girlfriends in my, that I had in my class and we would do a different city each weekend. Oh, so we so did cool. Nantes, uh, Bordeaux and Biarritz. Mm-hmm. And then I was living in a lot of shell for that month, but it was it was awesome. <laughs> that is so cool. And so three months, like that's amazing. So, and before that you traveled as well, you went to Thailand, you said when you graduated or just after you graduated. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you came back to Canada. Yeah, obviously yeah. you're here. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> um, and then, so from there, like, did you want to keep traveling or did you finish your, your second degree? This would be your second degree. Wouldn't it be? Well, I got a certificate, certificate, a diploma, and then a degree. Ah, so okay. seven years and really nothing but yeah. a degree I'm right there. for this education. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, I did continue traveling, actually. So when I graduated from my ed degree, so that was in April 2019, I mm-hmm. packed up with my two best friends and we went to Central America. So... <sighs> I was there for almost a total of two months and we started in Belize and worked our way down to Costa Rica. So we did Belize, Guatemala, El Salvador, Nicaragua, and Costa Rica. And then I literally came home from Costa Rica, which is back to Edmonton at the time. And I packed up my bags in like two, three weeks and moved across the country to Montreal. And then I was in Montreal just for the summer. And one of my girlfriends was like, I really want to go traveling. So I'm like, yeah, I miss Costa Rica. Like, do you want to go back? And she's like, actually, I really want to do this sailing catamaran thing from Panama to Cartagena in Colombia. And I'm like, okay, let's start in Costa Rica. So then I went back like two months later and I did Costa Rica, Panama and Colombia. (laughs) That is amazing. Amazing. And good for you. Like, thanks. My goal is 30 countries before 30. And I'm, I'm at 29 right now. So (laughs) COVID better not mess that up. I have like three years left. (laughs) Oh my God. No, you can do it. That's, that's like really impressive to be 27 and to, to have traveled that much. And I'm such like a huge advocate on traveling and I love traveling and travel as much as you can for anyone. And, and just, and I know exactly what you mean. The feeling you get when you come home and you want to like, you know how you said you're, you're Edmonton and then you packed your bags and then you went to Montreal. And I feel like once you've been traveling, you're so much open and accepting of change and you start to be like, why would I live here my whole life and do the same thing my whole life? I've seen everything. Like you can do whatever you want. And I feel like traveling really, like you said, it's kind of cliche, but it really makes you find yourself and understand yourself and what you want and realize that life is so short that just do it. Like pack up your bags, move to Montreal. Like, yeah, absolutely. And do you find after a trip that you come home and you're like, 
okay, I need to like minimalize like how much stuff I have and like declutter and donate everything and live off six outfits again. Literally. Cause you got when like you're backpacking, it's like, especially for months at a time, you have the same stuff. You can't buy a lot. And if you do, you have to throw out other things because you don't have room for it. Yeah. I find that like whenever I come back, I'm just like, okay, got to do this, got to do that. In like my first episode, I remember I was saying that was like the turning point for me because I hadn't ever seen the ocean, the open ocean until I was 25. Nothing. I'm a BC girl. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. I know. <laughs> it's a disgrace. Um, but I mean, good for you. <laughs> yeah. Right. I know. Really was sheltered. Um, but I went to Vancouver a lot, but I never, I would always go on like soccer tournaments where we would be inland and it'd be itinerary. We'd go yeah. to like the inlets and the bays, but I never ever saw like the sun set on the ocean. And when we did in Tofino, I was like, Oh my God, I'm reborn. <laughs> and so <laughs> I went to Kelowna. That's why you moved to Australia now. Yeah. Okay? Well, then, to be right by the ocean. <laughs> exactly. And then I remember I moved back to Kelowna and I was like, Oh, I can't live here anymore. Even though Kelowna's beautiful, but I was like, yeah. why Mine am I living too. in this shithole? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going to move to Alberta. And that's when I lived in Calgary for that time. And, and then, but, mountains. yeah, exactly. And so that's, and you would know living in Edmonton, like having Banff and Jasper, way closer to Jasper than, I, yeah. than Calgary. So famous question for you, mm-hmm. oceans or mountains? <sighs> this is so hard, but me and my boyfriend, Jamie, always argue about this because I pick ocean. Oh, it's so hard though. Okay, I pick ocean and he picks mountains. And we find that it's because obviously he was like born literally right beside the ocean and I was born like in the mountains. So you always want what you can't have. Right? Exactly. Yeah. But now I'm like, I can't wait to go back to Canada and hike mountains and do all these things. And, um, but yeah, I know. I just find that with traveling, it's just really changes you. Um, so what was your biggest challenge being an amputee traveling? Oh, if I could change one thing, it would be to have one leg that could do it all. Cause right. Oh yeah. I wear, pack. Yeah. I pack my swim leg in my bag because it's waterproof. It has a grip foot so I can surf with it. Oh, yeah. I've surfed before, which a lot of people are like, whoa, how do you do that? That's amazing. I can, (laughs) I'm like still learning to surf here and everyone's like, okay, Alicia, you've been here for two years. You still don't know how to surf. I'm like, I mean, I'm not good. Like maybe I'll stand up for a few seconds, but (laughs) But that's amazing. (laughs) Wow. So Um, you have that one and then, oh my God. Yeah. I I take two when I travel. So it's kind of like a pain in my ass though. Cause like, I know that I could probably pack all my stuff in a 40 liter bag and be like, good. Right. And like probably still have room, but my camera bag is the biggest bag, honestly. Oh, yeah. But So I carry a 65 liter bag because I'm a tall girl and my legs are long. Right. So my prosthetics long. So I need a tall enough bag that fits it. Yes. Oh. But I had recently been talking with other friends and I'm like, I'm such an idiot. Like for, it wasn't until last year that I'm like, oh my God, airlines let you bring on like a carry on and a personal item and a walking aid. So I had been checking my backpack all these years and paying for it to circulate all over Europe and to Asia. 
And I could have taken my leg out of my bag and walked on with it. And plus, like, I feel like that would help me in a sense because I get stopped at security all the time. What? Like, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. Because I ring. Like, my leg has metal in it. Oh, yeah. So I always have to stop. And it was so funny once I asked, like, do you want me to just – the lady didn't know what to do with me. Yeah. I think it's her first day. But I'm like, do you want me to just take my leg off, put it on the conveyor belt, and hop through? And yeah. she was like, no, 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 no. It's fine. No, like, you don't have to do that. She was, like, freaking out. And I'm like, okay, you're uncomfortable. Like, I'm just going to, like, shut up now. <laughs> But every time, like, I have to go in the scanner, I have to get swabbed, and I get the metal wand, and I get patted down. Oh, my God. And considering how many countries you've been to, like, I've been to, like, seven. (laughs) So I'm, like, I'm so over airports. And you've been to, like, literally 29 countries. That's a lot of flights. I mean, a lot of it in Europe is, like, you're just taking a bus across a border. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. (laughs) taking a train yeah yeah it's so interesting too like how each country approaches it because that's one thing like I would love to do one year Mm -hmm. when I have time and you know and travel there's no travel bans is to do my own YouTube series and go interview people in other countries because Oh my God. It hit so close to home when I was in Guatemala last year. We went to hand out candy at a local soccer tournament. Mm -hmm. And the kids didn't really notice my leg at first because it just looks like I have a knee brace on. And then when I took my shoes off to play barefoot with them, they all stopped and they're like, huh? What is that? (laughs) Yeah. And I didn't, so they speak Spanish in Guatemala, but we were in a small community that spoke an indigenous language. So I had to get someone to translate my story. And the kids, I have a photo. It's probably my favorite photo, but kids were circled around me and I was telling the guy next to me my story and he was telling it to them and their faces were just in shock because they don't have the same resources that Canada has. Like I'm very fortunate to have been born where I was born. Yeah. But my dream is to go into different communities and other countries and interview other amputees or those with a physical difference and Mm -hmm. ask about resources they have or stereotypes that are placed on them and how they perceive other countries and other amputees. So that is amazing. And that is such an amazing idea. Yeah, because it allows you to go to all these cool countries, like rural country, rural and, and city and whatever you like, and talk to these people and ask them because they want their story to be heard. They they want to say everything too. So, oh, yeah, that would be amazing if you could do that. And you said like you have a YouTube now that you have some travel videos on. Yeah, I mean, it's just like I'm a <laughs> I'm a film hobbyist. It's like oh. with my GoPro, but I have so it's much like, fun doing it. So. Yeah. I know. And I did the same thing too. I want to see them. You have to. Oh my gosh. I would love that. Um, but yeah, it's the, something so fun about reliving your memories through a GoPro or through a camera and it's special. It brings back all these memories. And so, yeah, having, having this kind of goal to work towards with, mm-hmm. um, yeah, going to all these countries and asking other people about how they feel and, is amazing and you can definitely build that especially with your following now which is amazing because you've created a platform on instagram and you've i've seen articles about you you've done podcasts and it's so amazing that you're getting out there and you're building your audience um to show people like 
that it's okay, self-acceptance and giving people resources. And when did this kind of start for you that you wanted to change like your platform into where you are now? First of all, thank you so much. You're going to make me tear up. It's so nice of you to <laughs> no. say. Oh. Um, to be quite honest, I never anticipated doing this or forming a platform in any shape or form. It just kind of started happening as I was traveling because, I mean, when I'm traveling, I'm in shorts. You can see my leg and a lot of people started asking me. So I'm like, oh, there's a lot more education to be had around the topic of amputation and those with disabilities and how we're still capable of doing everything, though some mm-hmm. people might do things differently. And my following started growing, I found, as I would post photos of travel because I was being reposted on other travel sites or Instagram pages, mm-hmm. and that's how they would find me. And then, to be honest, like, this makes me emotional because I would start getting a lot of messages from younger amputees asking me for advice or mothers of amputees saying, you're so inspiring. I have a son or a daughter that was born missing either a hand or a leg. I've gotten a variety of different messages like that. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know what? I'm doing something for the greater good right now. Like I struggled so much when I was younger. I wish I had someone else to look up to. So I'm not by any means calling myself a role model, but I really, really want to help younger amputees. I would love to work with them and guide them through like the toughest times, which Mm -hmm. is like we said, elementary, junior Mm -hmm. high, when you're trying to find yourself and you're being oppressed or ostracized because of your differences. So Mm -hmm. it, yeah, it just kind of happened and now you're started there yeah and but it's so true like you said like in primary and element or in middle school when you needed this support you had your your parents and your family but you didn't you didn't have and back then it was technology as well we didn't have like Facebook Instagram we couldn't connect like we can now but um especially with the negative side effects that social media gives so many young people as well, right? (laughs) I would not have survived if, I mean, there was Nexopia and MySpace (laughs) when I was younger, but those things like you're up on dial-up internet and you can't access it right away. Like Mm -hmm. if if Instagram was a thing when I was younger, I I don't know what would have happened to me at all because cyber bullying is so prominent now. It's terrible. And not only that, but I find, so I did like a social media cleanse a few years ago. I used Mm -hmm. to follow a ton of celebrities and Mm -hmm. I don't follow anyone now except for, you know, like body positivity and like inclusive influencers. Mm -hmm. Just because I really needed to get away from, you know, always having the perfect photo or the perfect makeup and nobody was really transparent with how their life actually was. So Mm -hmm. I'm just like, if I can be true and raw and really vocalize my internal struggles, Mm -hmm. whether they were past struggles or current ones, someone might be able to relate to me. So yeah, and that's amazing. And I like how you said, like, you did a cleanse. And I, I did an episode on that, too. Just, like, literally look at who you're following and how it makes you feel, right? And, and yeah. um, 
Yeah, I remember I was like following, like I'm, I am obsessed with Justin Bieber still, but I don't follow him anymore. <laughs> um, and then I was starting following Selena and Haley Bieber. And like, I was like, oh my God, Haley Bieber, Haley's dating just, and I was like, and I remember sitting down being like, I just spent 45 minutes reading about someone else's life that is so irrelevant to me. And that's all, <laughs> that's all that social media is. You're comparing yourself to, to people. If they are relevant and you they make you feel good and they're positive and that's great. Keep them. But yeah, I think everyone should definitely do a a good social media cleanse. And especially I talked about like followers as well. It's different in your sense because you have an open platform. Like anyone can, can see your page and anyone can, you want everyone to see what you're promoting and, and what you've been through, which is amazing. Um, But I find like a lot of people also don't really know who's following them. So I sometimes look at these young girls posting like their bodies just everywhere. And I'm like, you don't know who's following you. Like there's so many creeps out there and I'm sure that you probably deal with some people DMing you too. And you're like, yeah, it's, it's interesting. (laughs) I mean, I could talk a whole day about that stuff. Some yeah. people have like amputee fetishes that I'm oh not my- like entirely shut up. Mad. Yeah, it's a thing. Oh my god! And you're like, can you? Like, I need to filter you out, please. I'm not like trying to. This is for people who actually want to seek help and guidance. Yeah, <laughs> it's not for that thing. Yeah, honestly, I just I don't even reply to anything like yeah. that anymore. I used to just. I have to pick my battles because mm-hmm. I used to send a thing being like, this is highly inappropriate. It could be offensive. Like maybe be careful of the language that you're using. Yeah. I mean, I know that I'm sure of myself, but if there's someone else that's an amputee, that's in a vulnerable place that could come off really wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. I mean, it is wrong. Like I you can't I mean. target people based on their physical features. That's like, no, it's 2020. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, I know. And that's the thing. It's, there's so much like that has changed since we were young, which is amazing. And um, uh, like inclusivity, inclusivity, what am I trying to say here? Yeah. Yeah, inclusivity <laughs> um, of everyone. And uh, yeah, we're seeing the world like that. And, but yeah, I, I just think that what you're doing is, is amazing on your platform. And, and uh, for everyone who wants to follow uh, Ali, uh, her Instagram is at Allison E. Lang. And I will put it in the show notes below so you guys can uh, check her out definitely. Um, but I do want to chat. Well, I, I want to just go back to traveling quick. And I just want to yeah. see what your favorite, because I just love talking about traveling. What is your favorite like traveling story? Everyone has that one or like multiple traveling stories that they like they're in the moment and you can go back to that moment and you're standing there and you're like, Oh my God, I will never, I'll never forget this moment. Do you have one of those at all? I know I'm putting on. I I have a lot of moments like that, but I find it's not even like the most exciting moment Mm -hmm. or like, I don't know, like the craziest story that happened for me, it was like the most tranquil moment for me ever traveling. And that was when I was doing Europe by myself. So I knew that I had three months ahead of me because I had kind of pre-planned everything because when I was studying in France, it was smack in the middle of my three months. So 
at this point I was in Vienna and I was three weeks into my trip and I'm like, I'm sitting um, on a hill overlooking the city. It's stunning. The sun is setting and I'm just by myself and I don't have any music in. I'm just listening and I'm, I'm journaling because I tried journaling every day. Total mm-hmm. fail, by the way. Oh yeah, I know. Everyone <laughs> always says that. This is my travel journal. And I look back, I'm like, oh my God, it's like, I had, like 10 maybe days like, later. <laughs> yeah. I tried catching up and keeping notes on my phone and I'm like, oh, I'll write it in my journal later. Like, what no. is it? Three years yeah. later, it's still not in there. Yeah. But I was never. sitting and overlooking the city in Vienna and it had just hit me like, holy shit, Allison, you're on this amazing journey. You're only three weeks in. You're doing a total of three months. Like, and I just sat there and I took it all in and the sun was setting. And I think that's when I was like the happiest. I'm like, this isn't the last time I'm traveling. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. And and I can totally relate, especially with solo traveling. Like, and there's something so different about solo traveling. And I think everyone should be like, should do a solo traveling trip at least once in their life. And then you'll just want to keep doing it more. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's there's always those moments, hey, where you're like, you're like, I did this. Like, I am from Edmonton, Alberta, and I am sitting right here, right now. I'm across the world. I'm looking at different trees. I'm looking at different buildings. I'm looking at a beautiful sunset that I would never thought I would ever see. And yeah, it's those moments where you stop and take a breath, and you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm here. Yeah. And do you find too, because you're traveling by yourself, you're just more inclined to meet people because you're not yeah. bound to one or two or a group of yeah. friends. You're like, okay, I'm alone at dinner. Who do I sit with? And you just introduce yourself. Yes. And everyone's so nice. I know. That's the so best easy part. to make friends. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, I'm closer with a lot of people I've met traveling mm-hmm. and I'll FaceTime them or talk yeah. to them on like maybe like a biweekly basis. Mm-hmm more than I talk to some friends or family from back home. <laughs> yeah, no, t- definitely. Yeah. I, I'm, I am 100% agree. And there's something about like, yeah, going to hostels and sitting down and being like, oh, hey, and people even inviting me over. Like sometimes it'd be a little intimidating because I was like 25, 26 when I was traveling, 25. And um, I was like the oldest one in the hostels. There was all like 18 year olds. And I was always like, hey how y'all doing? And then, <laughs> and then, but the more I did it and the more I, I got used to it, like introducing people. And that was the thing. It's like, when I was in Vietnam, I was like, I was with like some girls and I knew that they were going up the coast. So like, I was like, Oh, perfect. Like if I wanted to, I could travel with them. But if I didn't, I could go this way or that way. And yeah, exactly. You're not bound to one group or friend group. You can do literally whatever you want. And I know you're a free bird. <laughs> that's amazing. And where's like your next country? Like where is COVID, you know, that's out of the question, but where to would be, be honest, I, I, Oh, a dream to go to. I'm We're like, planning to. It's up to you. I, well, right now, like I've already been to Costa Rica, but I work at such an amazing company that I don't know if I can like say this, but I mean, <laughs> we are like thinking of maybe, going and working remotely from Costa Rica if we all like quarantine in one area together because like I don't know we'll see if it happens yeah. I'm like always like down to travel I yeah. mean, it's just, I'm sure we're just like dreaming right now yeah. but it would be amazing if it happened um, you're like that one person in the zoom meeting <laughs> guys what if okay hear me out 
everyone gets together. We all quarantine, but we, we moved to Costa Rica and everyone's like, yes, just pick up. I like her. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, next on my list. I don't know. There's so many places that I want to go to. Um, mm-hmm. I have since I was like 15 dreamt of going to India. But I know, like, if, if my mom and dad are listening, I have to say my next country is either Scotland or Poland, because that's where my parents are from, and I haven't been to either of them yet. <laughs> no. I'm a terrible daughter. <laughs> so, like, like I said, I'm first gen, so I could get my passport oh, yeah. from either of those countries, and I haven't been to either of them. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. You have plenty more time in your life. Um, I know. I'm the same. My, my grandparents are Italian, and... My mom has her Italian passport and I could get it because she does or her Italian citizenship. And yeah, mm-hmm. same thing. I'm like, I'm always like, oh, it's so expensive. But I like, like my next would be like Central America. Like def- I haven't even been there. I want to touch that. And oh my God, if you go, can I come meet yes! you? Like, I, I want to just like redo it. Show me around. So much. <laughs> be my tour guide. Um, I hear nothing but like amazing times that has come out from that from that area and also when I was in I had to do farm work to stay in another country to stay in Australia for another year and I Mm -hmm. met people from all around the world Um, people from like Chile and Argentina I really also want to go there and then I also met people from Japan Japan I've always wanted to go to but it's so expensive and it's so hard because I'm always like do I go to the more expensive countries and stay there less or do I go to like like India, Nepal, like all these cool places for a long period of time. So I'm with you there. This was my thought. I had never want, like, I didn't want to do Europe when I was younger, mm-hmm. but I, because I was going to France, I'm like, it only makes sense, Maybe. right? Yeah. So yeah. I might as well do Europe while I'm here. But my thought behind everything, I'm like, I want to do all like the harder countries, harder as in like, you can hike and ski and snowboard and basically be super, super active. Um, So like Central, South America, Mm. Asia, those kinds of countries. And then, you know, I'll retire and do Europe when I'm old and like Mm. go to the museums, whatever they do. But I mean, I can't say that now because now that I've been to Europe, I'm like, wow, there's so much to offer there. Like yeah. whether you're old or young, there's something. So yes, exactly. I don't know. It's tough. Hey, you're always like, where do I go next? Yeah, I know. There's so much more, but I oh yeah. I, everyone always thinks like do the Europe when you're later, but I'm the same. I'm like, I will go anywhere and I will have the best time ever. So yeah. <laughs> Okay, guys, so we are just going to close off a little bit um, uh, right now because I think we've been chatting for just over an hour now. And um, we, I just want to know what, Ali, what you're doing, what plans are coming up, what is, because now we've kind of got to where you are now. We've heard your story. You've been traveling. It's been amazing. But what is next for you now? Um. Well, I'm sure as you've seen on my Instagram, I had some really exciting news to share. (laughs) You're getting the hot gossip. I haven't told anybody, but like my really close friends and family so far. I'm so honored. But I'm feeling extra blessed this week. Um, A girl I work with, Verco, this is for you. Thank you so much for putting me in touch with these people or recommending me. But 
um, an agency has reached out to me and they want to represent me as an amputee model. <gasps> yeah. Oh my God. I know I'm going to cry. Uh, only because like, you know, growing up, I never had, like, we keep talking about that role model and like really like, I feel like I'm helping break like beauty standards within the fashion industry right now. And um, <laughs> yeah, I'm really just like, I, I feel so lucky and it doesn't feel real because it's not something I have ever planned for or wished for. Like my goal was to be like a motivational speaker and that's why I wanted to become a teacher to work with kids. And then here this great thing has come. So congratulations that is so amazing and honestly from what I see on Instagram like already and the people you're working with it's like a no-brainer you would be the perfect person for this and (laughs) (laughs) I am so happy for you and thank you for sharing that today like I'm so happy to hear that and wow does this ever open up so many doors for you now and this just puts in a whole new perspective of what's to come for you. And that's so exciting. Thank you. Yeah. I, it's, it's been a crazy week on top of it. I was, went to a casting call, my first ever casting call and I got it. So I will be appearing um, throughout a store. I can't say yet, but across okay. Canada and in the States. Oh my God. Uh, that's <laughs> Yeah, uh, and they wa- they want to show my prosthetic leg in photos, so I'm just like over the moon. That is so great! Like, what can this week get any better? I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm like, I also kind of feel bad because like you've had this amazing week, and like on a Friday night you end it podcasting in your room. But I mean, you should. Oh my gosh, I <laughs> love chatting with you. Don't even say that. That's amazing. What a ride you've been on and where you're going now. Like this is really just the beginning for you now. And, and it's, it's amazing that you've gotten to where you are today. And like, like I said before, like this is our first time actually talking in person, but I feel like you're so personable and I feel like I've known you for so long and you're just, I know everyone says it to you. (laughs) I know everyone says you're inspiring and a role model, but and you hear it a lot, but it's, it's true because you hear it a lot because people think that way of you. And yeah, I just, yeah. Now I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Thank and, you. Um, but thank you so much for um, telling us your story and um, encouraging others, whether it be amputees or people struggling with self-acceptance um, to truly just be yourself. So Thank you for coming on today. And everyone, her Instagram is again at Allison E. Lang. Uh, check her out on there. But any final words? Honestly, I just always want to tell people that your obstacle is always your opportunity. So just change of mindset, I guess. But yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Allison for being on the podcast today and sharing her amazing story and also letting us all know the big news she's been waiting to share and I really couldn't be happier for her. 
She really has shown us all that you can grow from any experience or obstacle that you go through. And I know she has so many amazing things coming her way, being a role model for not just amputees, but pretty much everyone. If you guys want more information on how to find Allison, how you can donate to War Amps, or for any additional resources, I will link them in the show notes. And if you guys want more podcast content, definitely head to my Instagram at Life Off the Leash. And don't forget to tell your friends and family. Thank you guys again, and I'll see you all in another one.